Okay, buckle up, everybody. Got a good one today. Oh, yeah. You might say, oh, I don't know if that's a good one. I'm telling you right now, it's a good one. Some of you might say, I don't like it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you're going to like it. You should like it. If you don't, something wrong. You know what we're going to talk about today? Service. Servanthood. To serve. Oh, that is a noble quality of the Christian life. Did you know that? I'm going to see it today. The word serve comes from the French, severe. <laughs> the Latin, servus. And you know what it means? To be a slave. A serf. What is a serf? S-E-R-F. Well, it was a person in feudal times that was under some kind of servitude, bound to his master's land. And then if the master sold the land, the serf went with it. Wow. So, a servant is one in the employment of another without any freedom at all. So now you're thinking, huh, I don't like that. <laughs> no, you probably don't. But contrary to natural thinking, here's what we need to understand today. Servanthood is the noblest of professions or even social status. Servanthood, it's an interesting thing. The disciples asked Jesus one day, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They probably all had their own face in front of them thinking, oh, probably me. <laughs> and Jesus answered in Matthew 23, 11, he said, the greatest among you shall be your servant. They're probably scratching their heads. What did he say? The greatest among you shall be your servant. So, yet we have this mm, conflict going on between authority and servanthood. And you know what that conflict does? It causes rifts between people. It does. I think sometimes people in authority misunderstand their role, and people in servanthood, they misunderstand their role also, and you know what we have? A riff, a conflict. So let's learn a valuable lesson today. In Luke chapter 22, verse 24. There arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regarded to be the greatest. A dispute. A quarrel. They're arguing. Who's the best disciple? I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. And Jesus answered with a story. And by the way, we're in a series entitled Leaving a Legacy. And a legacy is obviously, as we've been saying, how you're remembered after you're gone. A reputation is how you're remembered while you're alive, and a legacy is how you're remembered after you're gone. So Jesus said to them, the king of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. Okay, so the bosses are the benefactors. And then he introduces, here it comes, the economy of heaven. He said, but it is not this way with you. You are different. And that's something all Christians have to realize. We are different 
from the way things are done in the world. We're in another kingdom. It's called the kingdom of God. He said, the one who was the greatest among you must become like the youngest and the, the leader like the servant. Oh, probably more head scratching going on. What is he talking about? Well, I never saw that before. He said, for who is greater? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? So he said, yeah, yeah, oh, shaking their head. Yep, yep. The one that reclines, that's the great one. The one that serves, eh, that's the servant. But Jesus said, wait a minute. I'm among you as the one who serves. Oh, that changes everything. Now, Jesus is the Son of God. Yet I am among you as the one who serves. That's why this legacy, oh, it's so important. Leaving a legacy of service. You think there's anything wrong with being remembered as somebody that had a servant's heart? Well, I'll tell you what, God likes it. Oh, yeah, doesn't matter what people think. God likes it. So let's really get a handle on this today. Mark chapter 10, verse 42. This is the best record of the legacy of service that Jesus taught. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and they great men exercise authority over them. So, okay, in the Gentiles, in the world of the Gentiles, the world of the people that don't know God, okay, the greater they are, the more authority they have. Now, we know that's true in the world today, right? But again, it is not this way among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you, uh uh-oh, shall be slave. What, Jesus? Slave to who? Of all. (laughs) Slave of all. Of all people. See, a a true slave is not selective. Who they serve. Well, I'll serve you, but not you. No, Jesus said, of all. And then he brings it home in verse 45. And he said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He said, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus of Nazareth. I'm the Son of God. I'm the Son of Man. I'm the miracle worker. I'm the greatest teacher the world has ever seen. And I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And by the way, to the extent that I will give my life a ransom for many. Wow. That's like, that's like the, the mountain peak of servanthood, isn't it? Giving your life. Once you've given your life, there's, there's nothing left to give. There's nothing left. And that's what Jesus did. So, and didn't Jesus take on the role of a servant when he washed the disciples' feet? Remember when they went up to that upper room and they had that Passover meal? And all the disciples, they all went into the room. They're all standing around looking at each other, waiting for somebody to wash their feet because that was the custom. And no one would. So Jesus filled the bowl with water and got a towel. And he went right down the line. And he washed all their feet, even the feet of Judas. 
I'm like, man, that's a tough one. He washed the feet of the betrayer. That's what Jesus did. So what Jesus said and did demonstrated his service to his father. See, Jesus could be a great servant toward people because he was really serving his father. His eyes weren't on people. They were on his father. And when your eyes are on God, you can do a lot. When your eyes are on people, eh, you can get discouraged. Oh, yeah. You can get let down. You can get disappointed. You can get hurt. But when you keep your eyes on God, you know, like Peter walking on the water, as long as he was watching Jesus, he's doing pretty good. Matter of fact, it was miraculous. But when he took his eyes off Jesus, plunk, in the drink. So Jesus, as a servant to his father, you know what he said? He said, I speak just as the Father has told me. John twelve fifty. He's like, the things I say, my Father tells me what to say. Son, say this. And Jesus does it. In John five thirty six, Jesus said, the works which the Father has given me to do, those are the works that testify about me. That's what I do. I do it because the Father sent me. I am a servant of my Father. Oh, get this. By being a servant of his Father, he became a servant to man. See how it works? By being a servant of God, you become a servant to people. Why? Because your eyes are on God. And notice the degree to which Jesus served in Mark 10.45 to give his life a ransom for many. That he gave his life as the payment price for the sins of every person that ever lived. That's a pretty hefty price. Oh yeah, it's a lot of sins. From the Garden of Eden all the way to the end of time. He served mankind with his shed blood. We're in the Easter season, and hopefully your heart is becoming softened about the love of God through Christ. And we're coming up upon Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday. These are real highlights of the Christian calendar. And I hope that they are transforming for you. I hope they are. So let's talk about the Apostle Paul, how he also encouraged the Christians at Philippi. Maybe they were having a hard time with this servanthood stuff. So Paul said to them in Philippians 3.20, he said, Listen, you guys. Well, he didn't say, listen, you guys. I did. But I think it adds to the story. (laughs) He said, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the word citizenship is the word polituma. And it's where we get our word politics. Citizenship is a community. It's our rights. It's our privileges, right? It's like where we belong. And what Paul is saying is your citizenship, your belonging is really in heaven. And that's where your rights and privileges are. So don't expect to be treated fair 
or right while you're on the earth as a Christian because you're not a citizen of the earth. You're a citizen of heaven. You don't belong here. You're here now for the purpose of God. But your rights and your privileges are in heaven. And this phrase was based on Roman citizenship. People understood in those days what Roman citizenship um, entailed. The right to vote, the right to hold office. You could own property. You had legal rights. You were immune from taxes. You could not be tortured. I like that one. You could not be whipped or crucified if you were a Roman. And Paul is saying, listen, we're citizens of heaven. Therefore, pilgrims on the earth. So you're not going to be treated as someone that is like endeared by the world because you're not of the world. Yeah, like John said, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. We're pilgrims, serfs, and the employment of another without any freedoms at all. Living in God's kingdom, and that is very contrary to living in the kingdom of the world. See, God's purposes for us do not coincide with the purposes that you have or that those in the world have. They have a completely different modus operandi. They do things differently. We, as believers in Christ, we do things according to the kingdom of God. That's why God gave us his word. So we could have direction. We could see, okay, what do I do here? What do I do there? Where do I go? How do I speak? What do I say here? It's very contrary to the kingdom of the world. And sometimes it's tough. Oh, yeah. It's distracting. It's challenging, but hey, we are what we are, right? We're citizens of heaven. And as I said, servanthood is the noblest of statuses because it's the role of Jesus. Jesus assumed the role of a servant. Now, if he did it and he added nobility to servanthood, that's the basis of our nobility as well. Same thing. Now, you can tell whether you are becoming a servant. You know how you know if you have a servant's heart? By how you act when people treat you like one. (laughs) If people treat you like a servant and you say, I ain't doing that. Well, okay. So much for that servant's heart, right? But if people treat you like a servant and it doesn't bother you and you do it, that's a servant. That's like Jesus. That's the goal. And you will leave behind you, after you're gone, a legacy of servanthood. Don't let your role in the world prohibit you from being a servant in the kingdom. Don't think, oh, you know, I own the company, or I'm the CEO, or I get a big office, I get a big title. Don't let those things get in the way of your servanthood. Especially, I mean, if you're a Christian, don't. Don't let that mess you up. Matter of fact, your servanthood means even more when you own the business and you're a CEO and you have a big office and a long title. Your servanthood means even more. I would like to end with a picture of what it looks like to be a servant of God. Let me give you a few pointers. Number one, 
It's not how many people serve you, but how many people you serve. Think about that. Again, there's a difference between nobility in the world and nobility in the kingdom of God. Nobility in the world is to be served. Nobility in the kingdom of God is to be that servant. So we make a choice. Secondly, when people come to you, do they feel better and happier when they leave? So, you know, like, are you a blessing to others? Or are you a downer? You know, you can be a blessing because your heart is right. I, I believe the people that have servants' hearts are the happiest people. They do. People that don't have servants' hearts, you know what they do? They complain. <laughs> oh, man. You don't, when you see their number on, um, caller ID, you don't even answer the phone. <laughs> Cause you know what they're going to do. They're just going to go on and on and on and complain about every other thing in the world. But a servant's hot. Servants don't complain. They don't. They're just happy to serve. That's all. That's what makes a servant. Thirdly, it's having eyes to see the lostness in a person when you look at them. See, a servant's heart is sensitive to somebody else's situation. And you can look at people, and you can see what's going on in their heart. You really can. And sometimes when I'm in the store, I'll, I'll just look at people like in the registry line, you know, getting ready to check out. And, and some are like full of life in their eyes, and others are just empty, like there's nothing there. And, you know, you try to be sensitive and maybe, I don't know, be a helper in some way. Maybe they're short on money. You can, don't ever let anybody put something back that they didn't have the money for if you're standing in back of them. Oh, I, I made that commitment to myself. I'll never do that. It's too embarrassing for them and hey, they might need it. So if someone's in front of you and, oh, I gotta put the cereal back. I gotta put the milk back. You never let them do that. You cough it up. And you say, no, you put that back. You put that in your little shopping cart. I'll take care of it. And you take care of it. Ah, oh, that's a servant. A servant will, will serve the spiritual needs of others and bring them to Christ. Oh yeah. Tell them about forgiveness. Tell them about eternal life. Isn't that being the greatest servant? Bringing them to a higher place in life? It certainly is. I want to give you this illustration. You've probably heard it before. I hope so. If not, it's good to review, too. This rabbi, he had been given the opportunity to see both heaven and hell. Wow. And he was directed to a closed door and informed that hell existed on the other side of that door. As he entered the room, he was surprised. You know what he saw? This long banquet hall set for a feast. Oh, everything was exquisite. Beautiful foods prepared for all the diners. Colorful foods, hot piles of food. But wait, wait, wait. The people that were there, they moaned in agony. And they were all so skinny. Like, oh, look at them. And the center of the table was a mouth-watering dish of food 
and each and every person had a very long spoon strapped to their hand. The spoon was long enough for one to reach the food, but too long to bring it to their mouth. Consequently, they were unable to eat, and they were shrieking with hunger pains. The horror was more than he, the rabbi could bear, so he, he said, Oh, can I leave? Like, get me out of here. So he was brought to the other door. And that door led to heaven. And he was petrified when he saw the same scene, the same luxurious banquet set before them, all that food. But this time, joy replaced the pitiful cries. And the difference in the two places was that those in heaven did not cry over their inability to feed themselves. They simply celebrated the privilege of feeding each other with the same long spoons. See the difference. Live to serve yourself and you go hungry. Live to serve others and you are fulfilled. You see why Jesus taught us about servanthood? Can you see why is that's the way to go? That's the road to walk? That Christ is the greatest of servants? And he says, as I have done, do to each other. As I have done for you, do for one another. Be imitators of me. And that's why, you know, it takes nobility. You know what it takes? It takes self-confidence to be a servant. And self-confidence doesn't come from who you are in the world. It comes from who you are in Christ. That's where it comes from. I don't have much confidence in the world. But I get my confidence from my walk with the Lord. Because I know He loves me and cares for me. And I'm part of the bride of Christ. And I have eternal life. I know I'm forgiven. And so it is with you if you're a born-again believer in Jesus. So you see how different it is? That's the basis of your confidence. So you can be a servant. Live to serve others and you'll be fulfilled. So, a legacy of service gives you a model of a true servant in Jesus Christ. You're showing people what Jesus is like. When you leave a legacy of service, you're representing Christ, and you're pointing to Christ and saying, this is what Jesus is like. It's also a reminder that you are a pilgrim on this earth. You're a citizen of heaven, right? We all are. It's like, we don't belong here. Don't expect to be treated like a celebrity when you're a child of God and you live in the devil's world. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So we have to be reminded, oh yeah, I'm a citizen of heaven. My rights and privileges are in heaven. They're not on the earth. And also, what is servanthood? It's a role, a road, I should say, to real fullness. To real fullness. See, that's where you become fulfilled in life as a servant. You know, it seems like, you know, those that have to be served, it, it can be like addictive. You got to keep being served. And now, you know, any, any addiction is bondage. 
You know, we hear about, you know, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, gambling addiction, all kinds of addictions, eating addictions, you name it. But did you ever think of the addiction to be served? That you're so high and mighty in your own mind that you have to be served all the time. You're not a servant. And and it always leaves you empty. Oh, yeah. It'll leave you empty. Freedom is in serving. Who was more free than Jesus himself? I'm like, are you kidding? Nobody. Nobody was more free. Look at Jesus in action. He was even able to say, because he was free, when he was hanging on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's how free he was. Because he was giving his life a ransom for many. The ultimate of servanthood. To give you life. You know, you can give you time. You can give you money. You can give you talent. You can give you resources. And those are all good. But the ultimate is to give you life. That's the ultimate of servanthood. And that's what Jesus did. So there's our role model. There it is. So get off your high horse. No one belongs up there if they're a true child of God. And we become servants to God himself. And through serving God, we serve other people. And by the way, we serve Christian and non-Christian alike. It's not like, well, you know, I'm going to serve, okay, I'll serve Christians but not non-Christians. No, we serve everybody because that's what Jesus did. He gave his ransom for all. Oh, that's a good one. That's one we need to, like, hear repeatedly because we have flesh and a sin nature. And it's easy to go back to the way of the Gentiles. Next time we're together, we're going to take a look at, oh, here's another challenge, a legacy of generosity. Being remembered after you're gone as a generous, giving person. I think that's an excellent one. What do you think? That's an excellent legacy. We'll see that. How, we'll see how that one works next time. Hey, don't forget, listen. Join the Hope Club. Get a devotional every day in your email box, Monday through Friday. And uh, you're going to give me $3 a week. So we'll team up. Here's how easy it is. Go to newhoperadio.live. That's it. NewHopeRadio.live. It's all there. I hope you'll get on board so we can meet every day for New Hope Radio.